You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Janine Bitson, and I'm joined by the wonderful... <laughs> wonderful, Steve Spunk. Oh, where, where's wonderful? Where's wonderful? I'm, I'm right here. Steve Spunkowski's here. Wonderful. Oh, there he is. Mark's behind me. Mark no, he's right there. Steve Spunkowski <laughs> is fantastic. And so much of our Real Presence Radio family, we know all your dedication and hard work that has made this apostolate through God's grace, of course. <sighs> through I the mean, grace of so many people. But I'm, I am honored to be a part of the work that and, the Lord has done. And it is just such a joy to be with you here Thank this you. morning. And it's also another joy because we have have Father Craig Vosick joining us from the Diocese of Crookston, who has done so much great work over our listening area. And here comes another mower, so hang on there, Father. <laughs> We're live. We're live, so you're going to hear all sorts of ambient sounds, golf carts, mowers, uh, food trucks, all. We're here live here at uh, Rose Creek Golf Course for the Putt for a Purpose. But, Father, you're not here. You're in Crookston. So what, what's the weather like where you're at? No, I think it's uh, mid seventies, sunny and lovely. Excellent. Oh. Are you sitting outside? <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm inside right now for the phone call, uh. but I'll be outside soon enough. <laughs> Oh, cool. Well, we have something really exciting that uh, you're going to be sharing with us, and and it's about the National Eucharistic Revival and what it means to be a Eucharistic preacher. So can you tell us a little bit about that? What is the Eucharistic Revival? Yeah, the Eucharistic Revival, hopefully everybody knows about it already, but uh, it just launched uh, June 19th. But it's, um, it's a culmination of a lot of preparation. Um, by the United States Bishops' Conference. They've, over the last number of years, been paying attention to trends, um, usually downward trends, you know, with regard to uh, practice of the faith, uh, mass attendance, uh, doctrinal understanding of the presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, various things like that, and they wanted to address it. So when um, when Bishop Robert Barron was in charge of the um, Secretary for Evangelization and Catechesis, they were paying attention to this, and they were looking at Pew resources and studies and various things, seeing that we need to address some things with regard to uh, Eucharistic practice, uh, Eucharistic devotion, understanding of faith, you know, things like that. So then, um, then COVID hit, and um, and nobody was going to mass, and there's been a a little bit of a trend, I'd say, uh, post COVID, um, where people are slow to get back to mass. Or misunderstanding um, whether whether I need to go to mass or maybe I can just watch it virtually now that the parish makes that available, things like that. So, anyway, the bishops have been paying attention for a while, and um, after Bishop Barron left that position, Bishop Andrew Cousins, who's now the Bishop of Crookston, thanks be to God, um, took over uh, as the chairman for that committee, and they decided as a bishops' conference to launch a national Eucharistic revival. Twofold, but manifold beyond that. Twofold uh, to address uh, doctrinal understanding of Christ's true presence, uh, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the sacrament of the Eucharist. That's number one. And number two, to repropose again uh, to the faithful the obligation of Sunday Mass, uh, and to to try to get those two principal words out. Um, and then in however many other ways that that will uh, unfold and, and flourish into hopefully renewed and, and fervent Eucharistic devotion in parish life and in diocesan life. So that's, sort of, that's where it 
that's where it came from. That's not really what it is, I suppose, but that's where it came from. Well, that that is just so, so important. You know, it's, you know, you think of our prayer life and you think of our sacramental life and how, how that's just everything, you know. I mean, what God gave to us uh, through his his life here on what Jesus gave to us, you know, obviously God through his life here on earth with us in the incarnation and then his, his suffering. I mean, what he did for us, that not just those 33 years, but those three, (laughs) three days. I mean, wow. And, and I think it's just so beautiful that the bishops are doing this. You know, Father Vasek, we just, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a men's leadership summit um, with you and uh, with 40 men give a great uh, reflection on on our faith and and on where this all begins with the Eucharist um, and how that has to really be the the source and summit. Well, it is the source and summit. We have Mm -hmm. to recognize it as the source and summit of our faith. I want to read uh, something real quick and get your take on. I have a book in front of me here, A Year with the Eucharist, which is a book book that we're making available here in the Diocese of Fargo. Uh, if you want to get a copy, you can call the Diocese of Fargo or talk to your local priest, um, pastor, and he has, uh, uh, many of them have copies of this book, A Year with the Eucharist, a daily meditation. But here's a meditation from John Paul II, Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II. The Holy mm. Spirit is at work in us when we receive Holy Communion or make a spiritual communion. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that the Eucharist is confected, and his life is strengthened in us through his most important sacrament. Um, you know, a lot of times people, you know, just... Uh, understanding that a lot of people don't have the opportunity uh, to make it to daily mass and of course if you do what a great what a great gift and 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 if you have to make a sacrifice to do that even more wonderful but there are also other ways to be um, to take that that Eucharist from Sunday mass the missa the sending out and then to keep that Eucharist with us through us uh, you know spiritual communions throughout the week can you speak to our listeners uh, on different ways of how to keep uh, the Eucharist Jesus Christ Jesus in the Eucharist alive within us throughout the week um, so that we can bring him into the world right you know, this is this is foundational uh, so I'm, I'm reviewing a book right now that'll be printed next year. And uh, the author, I won't speak about it right now, but when it comes out next year, I'll be talking about it a lot, the masterpiece. But in the, in the work, the author says, if we really believe that God is the center of, of civilization, and therefore God, what God has given to us through His Church is actually the center of civilization and of culture, then, you know, uh, by extension or by direct application, the, the parish church that has the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle is the center of every city, period. And the, everything in that city should revolve around that parish church and that uh, the presence of, of God in the, in the tabernacle. And if you just draw it to your center, a lot of medieval, uh, medieval towns in Italy, so I'll just paint a picture for a moment, a lot of them will have um, sort of a valley that people are driving through, and then they come up towards the town, and the town is walled, but the, the town itself is... Uh, unfolds upward of a hill. And so you've got all the sort of shops and whatnot kind of around the base of the, of the town. But if you climb up in the town, you get towards the top. And once you get closer to the top, you start to realize you're getting closer and closer to the church, which is at the center of that city on the top of the hill. So you can only see the church as you're arriving towards the town. Well, you can think of a hundred different cities that are built this way in uh, Italy. So the, the church with the Blessed Sacrament and the tabernacle with the sacrifice of Christ is, is uh, readily available to the faithful, uh, extended through sacramental rites, 
is the center of that city. It's the center around which everything everything moves. So if you can take that image that I just kind of painted of a church on top of a hill with everything around it, this is what the author uh, of this beautiful work, which is just uh, kind of catching of Eucharistic and, and Catholic uh, understanding, that that the Mass, the Holy Eucharist, is the center of our life and shows to be the center of our city. So he gives a bunch of examples, and we can just readily uh, give some of them. Uh, when I pass by a church, or even if I'm not going to pass by a church, the route that I'm taking from home to the grocery store or wherever, I'm sure I could make my route so that it goes by a church, or when I'm driving mm-hmm. from home to work, or whatever the thing might be. I'm sure I could veer off and go by the church at least, maybe drop in for a couple minutes. Maybe I can't go to Mass, but I can drop in for a couple minutes to talk to Jesus, to just, just bow before Him and to love Him and honor Him and receive from Him grace, right? Or even if I can't, I'm like, no, I'm just too busy for that. Okay, well, I can't imagine it. Too busy to stop for two minutes. But if you are, just to pass by, to take off your hat if you're wearing a hat or whatever, to, to make the sign of the cross as you're passing by the Eucharistic presence of our Lord, uh, just to put your hand to your heart and to tell Him you love Him, to receive His love. I mean, those are just simple little little things uh, right there, because if you live in a town and there's a Catholic church in the town, you're gonna, you can pass by it, right? Um, and this goes on and on. He, he details so many beautiful things. I can't wait to promote the book. But um, he says, if if we are really going to have the Holy Eucharist be the center of our civic life, our, our city, uh, sort of the you know you have festivals and rib fest and all the fair and all these different things. If the Eucharist is really the center, then when we have a Corpus Christi procession, the entire city should be shut down because we're we're now processing our Lord Jesus Christ through the streets. So just kind of recapturing this uh, this uh, public manifestation of, of Catholic faith, right? So all of that, just a couple examples on that realm, but just to get to your point, and then I'll, and then I'll shut up, um, St. Alphonsus Liguori, whose feast day it is today, uh, wrote mm-hmm. a beautiful prayer, a lot of things have, but what a beautiful prayer on spiritual communion. So what is a spiritual communion? It is at any moment, wherever I am, recognizing that God has given himself to me, Trinitarian love, uh, in the Eucharist, but in any other time, at any other time, I can tap into that gift by saying, Lord God, I love you, and I know you love me, and I want to receive you right now, wherever I am, to come by the power of your Holy Spirit and visit me. And we are sanctified through that process. So that's a spiritual communion. For in the state of grace, we can make a spiritual communion anytime, any day, and we receive from that same abundance of the Eucharistic gift, wherever we are. Hmm. You know, what what you just talked about with uh, the center of the city, and my daughter just came back from a pilgrimage uh, with the JP2 incident, Institute to Poland, and on her way home, well, of course, all the incredible uh, experiences she had in Poland and Krakow and so forth, but when she came home, she went through Helsinki. And she had a 17-hour layover, so she's like, oh, I'm going to go see the church, and she you know, risk missing a plane back home Mm -hmm. to do this. But she got to the church and it was like a tourist attraction Mm -hmm. and it didn't Mm -hmm. have Jesus in his presence, you know, and she Mm -hmm. was just so Mm -hmm. saddened by that. And Mm -hmm. um, she did find another Catholic church, which is good. You know, there was one, Mm -hmm. but it's just like we have these beautiful places of worship and we need seminarians we need priests we need our faith to grow so it can be that center of the city that um is so important for our societies and so you saying that i just had a a real experience you know of what my daughter went through when she was in finland but um 
And then St. Paul, for our listeners, you know, when you go by St. Paul, the cathedral is actually higher than the state capital of Minnesota. It was purposely put where it was, um, so it was the height of the city. So for our listeners, we've got yeah. that kind of, that that image. Well, and there's a reason, a, a good reminder there, uh, Father Vasek, that you gave us, that there's a reason why our, our steeples are high and why there's a cross on the top of the steeples. So a lot of times, if you, of course, in North Dakota and, and many areas in Minnesota, you drive uh, into the area, and uh, the first thing you see is the steeple of the church. It's a reminder that, mm-hmm. again, Christ is the center of our lives. Folks, we're talking with Father Craig Vasek. Uh, we're live here at Rose Creek Golf Course, a golf course uh, for the putt for a purpose. This is Real Presence Live. We're going to step away for a little bit of a break. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the Eucharist, the Eucharistic Revival with Father Vasek, uh, his, his duties as a Eucharistic preacher, and other great topics. So don't go anywhere. This is Real Presence Live. We'll be right back. The focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these planned gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our planned giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street in the new Diocesan Building or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And good morning. This is Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us and staying with us this morning, giving us a bit of your day. 
We sure hope that your day is starting out well. This is Steve Splonskowski along with... And I'm Janine Bitson, and we've been having a fantastic conversation with Father Craig Vasek from the Diocese of Crookston, who is basically um, the the person, the point man, I should say, uh, with the National Eucharistic Revival uh, and the program with the Eucharistic Preacher. Uh, and what it means, he's talking to us about what it means to be a Eucharistic preacher. So before we went on the break, he, he talked about the importance of the Eucharist and, and um, in our faith. But what are some of your duties in this role, Father Craig Vasek? Yeah, so as a National Eucharistic preacher, this is, uh, uh, we've been tasked by the United States bishops to go around the country and to um, share. Uh, kind of we did some training, I should say that first. There were 50 of us that were um, invited to Chicago back in April to have a three or four day um, retreat wherein we were praying with each other, supporting each other, and then receiving um, not clarifications, but uh, a, a consistent messaging from, from bishops and doctrinal uh, authors so that we would have a, when we go out, that we will make use of our own personality, sure, and our own way of, of thinking about things and whatnot. But they will have a real clear uh, clear and, and connected message throughout the whole country. And so we made use of the bishop's document. They just recently published a document on the mystery of the Eucharist and the life of the Church. And we went through that document together, doctrinally looking at, like, what do we want to highlight? How do we want to present this to the faithful? Uh, so that we would be able to do that together, all 50 of us, wherever we go. So our task is to go out. Um, throughout the revival, which is three years long, just started now, and it goes through 2024, where there's going to be a national congress in Indianapolis. Maybe we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, but this first year, which we just started now, is what they're calling the diocesan phase, and so the, the Eucharistic preachers are being sent out uh, to various dioceses for diocesan events, uh, maybe regional events, uh, maybe two dioceses together, or maybe five parishes will gather and, and do an event. And so different things that the diocese can do, um, for the revival, so we're, we're being we're being available for that to go out and to preach. Um, that's the first year. The second year uh, is the year of the parish, and so then those same fifty Eucharistic preachers will be sent out to various parishes uh, throughout the country. Now that's where it gets tricky, though, because diocesan phase. You know, we're running the numbers on our end. Diocesan phase, what a 140, 150 dioceses. Okay, fifty preachers. Each guy does three things. No problem. When it gets to the parish year, there's 17,000 parishes, you know, so there's no way that we're going to be able to go preach any parish. So if they want to do something now, go ahead and do it. We're ready. Just invite us, you know. But, uh, but that's where the, the, sort of the recommendations would be for parishes to focus on how they can do things. Uh, and then um, in that third year, they get down to the smallest core group of uh, Bible studies, uh, men's studies, women's studies, uh, home studies, different things like that, leading up to a, a national university congress. So the, the preachers will be involved, not in those, in those small group studies, and they won't be going to those things, um, but we'll be making resources available online, uh, various things, to, so that people can tap into those resources that are, are being provided by the United States Commission. So anyway, that's, that's the scoop, but um, I was just going to mention the, the kind of thrust that we've been asked to, uh, to abide in, which was a phrase that I had never heard. We are to go out as preachers and to give a charismatic proclamation of the Eucharist. Now, I know the word charisma, I know the word proclamation, I know the word Eucharist. I've just never seen them strung together like that. So I was interested in what they were going to be asking us to do. So charismatic Eucharistic proclamation means that we detail um, the life, the 
suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord for the salvation of the world, to liberate souls from uh, from the enemy, and to liberate us and transfer us into the kingdom of God. The work that Jesus does on the cross to do that, He does the work and we receive it. He's the Savior. And to make sure that we, uh, we go and we pr- propose that as primary, that it is through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that we come into a saving relationship, a reconciled relationship with God. And so already our hearts should be moving towards praise, our hearts should be moving towards love and gratitude um, of His mercy and His goodness towards us, um, and His rescuing love, right? So to do that, to charismatically, the, the kernel, the, the center, uh, the death and resurrection of our Lord, and then to, to move that into that that's what, that is what is present, that is who is present in the, in the, in the Holy Mass and in the Holy Eucharist. It is the, it's Jesus who died and rose to reconcile us to the Father, who now makes himself present to us because he wants to continue to draw us to his Father. And so not just to say, okay, everybody, come to Mass because that bread turns into God, and, like, that's really important. Okay, yeah, it's true, but, like, no, 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 this is the one who has loved you from Mm -hmm. before time began and who has liberated you and rescued you and he wants to abide with you, and wants to be in relationship with you. So to charismatically proclaim the gift of Jesus and the Holy Eucharist is our is our task, and it's really beautiful. It's really, really, really beautiful. That's our task is to go out and to, uh, to propose the death and resurrection of Jesus, now present in his Eucharistic ministry, uh, to the faithful to fall in love with Jesus there. That That is, you know, everything you just said, I mean, it's just like so important for our church and the vitality of our church and the, the going out uh, to evangelize. And even in the meditation today in the, in the Magnificat, uh, it, it has a quote, uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori has a quote from St. Leo saying, the benefits that we have derived from the death of Jesus are greater than the injury the devil has done us by sin. That same doctrine is taught by the Apostle, who says that where sin sin increased, grace overflowed all the more. And how does that grace flow? It flows through the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ that we receive in the Eucharist. It's just like, that. that's just the power of prayer and the power of the sacraments. That we can just write this world so quickly, right? <laughs> I mean, and yeah, what you're no, doing it, is so Alphonse fantastic. Theophanes Liguori is absolutely the man. I pray to him every single day since that other day before I preach because he's so good. I mean, that quote that you just listed from him, it's just it's remarkable, right? Uh, he's yeah. so good, doctor of the church. Um, so, so there's a connection there, huh? The connection is that the death of Christ on the cross the one sacrifice for the salvation of the world. Jesus himself makes no distinction between the gift that he gives to his apostles on Holy Thursday night and his sacrificial death on the cross on Friday. He makes no distinction because what he says on Thursday night is he says, take this and eat it. This is my body which will be given up for you. And then he says, take the chalice, drink of it. This is my blood which will be poured out for you. So he's saying that this this bread, which is now becoming a flesh, and this 
wine, which is now becoming his body because he said so, is exactly connected to that sacrificial death on the cross on Friday. So there's groups, there's different people, there's different uh, movements that would say that there's a, there's a distinction or there's a separation, that the cross matters and the, and the supper doesn't matter, or that the cross is what we need and the supper is optional, or whatever. They say. Jesus makes no distinction. This bread, which is my body, this wine, which is my blood, is that same same as that which I will give on the cross. And so do this, the, the Lord's Supper, in remembrance of that, the cross. So the way that we derive benefit from the cross is by entering into that banquet meal, which is the sacrifice. Well, and it makes sense. If you look at the apostles, the first thing they did at the early church, the first thing they did was to celebrate the breaking of the bread. And we know we have uh, uh, Justin Martyr who gives us that. We also have uh, St. Ignatius who gives us uh, some uh, a look into that. Where the, what, you know, and, I mean, picture this. This is what I love. You think about the early church fathers. When Christ left at his ascension, he didn't hand to Peter and say, here's the manual for the church. I've written everything down. Uh, you know, page one is the table of contents and blah, blah, blah. They had to, he said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Right. But they also had to recall what Christ told them. And obviously, it was pretty important to them, and it was pretty clear to all of them, that the breaking of the bread, the Eucharist, was the key center, because that's what they started doing. It was the first thing they started doing, um, was uh, having the Mass and, and the Eucharist. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Yep. So, Father Vasek, wow, this is just so good. How can the layperson be a part of the revival? What what is our call as lay people? Yeah, yeah. So the the call is infinite uh, because there's going to be an infinite a number of expressions and responses. So a person could be listening to this and say, "Hey, I want to increase adoration in my parish." A person could listen to this and say, "Hey, I want to uh, I want to uh, beautify the sanctuary." A person could hear this and say, "Hey, I want to go out and invite people to mass." person can hear this and say, hey, I want to go, you know, I want to become a, a, a distributor of Holy Community to say, I mean, the list is absolutely infinite, and so whatever the Lord is doing in someone's mind and heart, they should just start there and start getting in on it. But officially, you know, the uh, you know, sort of uh, universally or nationally, the bishops have detailed this, as I mentioned, three three years, so there's the diocesan parish and then national uh, pilgrimage uh, for the, for the uh, Congress. So I'd say the first thing is there's a website, eucharisticrevival.org, um, that you can go look up for the for the revival, eucharisticrevival.org, and on there, there's a weekly newsletter, e-letter that they're sending out that's going to detail all the new events, all the different things that are going on, and building a database to invite up to a million people to come, uh, hoping for 100,000 to come to Indianapolis in 2024. So that's the first thing, is go to eucharisticrevival.org, and then scroll down to get the weekly updates. It'll come to your inbox every single, every week on Thursday. New content, exclusive content, Father Mike Schmidt, Father Augustine Flores, uh, but Lewis goes on and on of things that will be unfolding throughout that. So I'd say that's a great one. And then just pay attention to what your parish is up to, your diocese is up to, see in which ways I can, because uh, there's going to be processions, uh, there's going to be adoration opportunities, there's going to be various uh, various programs or, or apostolates or various uh, ways in which people can get involved. So it's really, it's going to be infinite, absolutely infinite. But I would recommend this EucharisticRevival.org to get started. Absolutely. Thank you, Father Vasek. Again, folks, we're talking to Father Vasek. He's a Eucharistic preacher uh, for the year of the Eucharistic revival. Um, and again, I really like, you want to take a practical application right now. I, I really, what you shared right now, if you drive through town, but you could change the route so you drive past a church, past a church, try making that route, change that route. And as you go by, either stop in for a visit or just make an act of love. What a great reminder. Father Craig Vasek, thank you so much for being here with us this morning.
I'm so glad. Thanks for having uh. me. Awesome, folks. This is Real Presence Live. Uh, we're going to come back on the other side of the break and have more conversation on the Eucharist uh, and, and talk more about our faith. This is Real Presence Live. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> 